bright and early. Uh, driving in anymore uh, after last week, I think last week I was just too tired to even notice how dark it was. And this morning I was like, oh my gosh, it's dark. What happened? Is this the right time? Am I early? Because that's never happened before. Uh, so I'm so glad that you all have joined us this morning uh, for worship. Uh, this weekend um, on Friday, we ended up at, uh, at the state archery tournament uh, at the fairgrounds in Louisville. Both Emma and Jake were competing there. And they were, uh, in this round of, of competition, they were numbers 276 and 277. I didn't even realize at the beginning that all around this huge room, around the walls, were children with bows and arrows. Uh, so, <laughs> and everyone was safe, and no one was hurt, and everything was okay. So this was, this was good. Uh, one of the things that I realized more and more, not being, I was just talking earlier about how, um, how, shallow the sports gene pool is in my side of the family. Uh, luckily, uh, our children have inherited some from, from Melissa. Um, but uh, but I, I realize as I watch more and more how, how difficult it is to do the same thing over and over and over again because you shoot all these arrows again and again. And if you look at the targets at the end, there's lots of holes in lots of places on that. And yet we're trying for the same thing again and again and over and over. Uh, perfection is something that is always beyond our reach. Um, but the beautiful thing is that there is grace for us and that there is a beauty in the struggle, that there's a beauty in, uh, in, in the attempt um, to do something, uh, to do something beautiful, to create beauty in this world around us, to try for something that is a little bit beyond our reach, um, that helps us to, uh, to change, uh, to grow, and to find new life. So this morning, uh, as we continue to uh, contemplate the way of Jesus in the midst of Lent, uh, we uh, are grateful for that grace that surrounds us and envelops us. Let's worship together. Good morning. As we begin our worship together, I'll light this candle celebrating the presence of Christ in us, among us, and beyond us. As you're able, if you would stand and join me in the call to worship. Jesus, you always surprise us. Show us your way. When power intimidates, you are courage. When resentment explodes, you are peace. When bitterness lashes out, you are healing. When suspicion confines, you are generous. Jesus, you always surprise us. Show us your way. And if you would turn and greet those around you, please.
you've already sat down, I'm sorry, this will be your exercise for this morning as we do uh, spiritual yoga. Uh, I, guess, I guess that's redundant, isn't it? Um, so uh, you'll find in your hymnals uh, number 435, uh, we will ignore the, the pesky notes that you will find uh, adjacent to the words. And uh, we're also going to add a chorus here, love is all around. So here's how this extra chorus goes. Love is all around. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Should I fear anyone? The Lord is a fortress protecting my life. Should I be frightened of anything? When evildoers come at me trying to eat me up, 
It's they, my foes and my enemies, who stumble and fall. If an army camps against me, my heart won't be afraid. If war comes up against me, I will continue to trust in this. I have asked one thing from the Lord. It's all I seek, to live in the Lord's house all the days of my life. Seeing the Lord's beauty and constantly adoring his temple, because he will shelter me in his own dwelling during troubling times. He will hide me in a secret place in his own tent. He will set me up high, safe on a rock. Now my head is higher than the enemy surrounding me, and I will offer sacrifices in God's tent. Sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and praise the Lord. Lord, listen to my voice when I cry out. Have mercy on me and answer me. Come, my heart says, seek God's face. Lord, I do seek your face. Please don't hide it from me. Don't push your servant aside angrily. You have been my help. God who saves me, don't neglect me. Don't leave me all alone. Even if my father and mother left me all alone, the Lord would take me in. Lord, teach me your way. Because of my opponents, lead me on a good path. Don't give me over to the desires of my enemies. Because false witnesses and violent accusers have taken their stand against me. But I have sure faith that I will experience the Lord's goodness in the land of the living. Hope in the Lord. Be strong. Let your heart take courage. Hope in the Lord. Jesus sat down at the table to show us God saves the same. 
This past Friday afternoon, I attended Jumah. Jumah is the afternoon prayers, the weekly uh, worship time for people who follow Islam. And I was with our Lexington Muslim friends and neighbors showing a sign of support with about 20 other faith leaders. The Bishop for the Catholic Diocese of Kentucky, the Bishop of the Episcopal Diocese, both rabbis from the two Jewish congregations and an assortment of other Christians, a few pastors, uh, several faculty members from Transylvania University and some of their students all gathered there with them to say that we are with them and we sadly suffer with them through this terrible event this horrific and sadly growing experience throughout our globe, most recently in Christ Church, New Zealand. A diabolical plot of evil and bloodshed was carried out. And now, according to today's news, 50 people are no longer living this day. Described by the Prime Minister of New Zealand as the darkest day in the history of their country. Rabbi Smoklin, who I mentioned a moment ago of O of A, and I were talking afterwards and realized the last time that he and I had crossed paths was after the Pittsburgh shooting at the Tree of Life Synagogue for the interface service we had then. And he said to me what you would expect to say at that kind of moment. He said, we have to stop meeting like this. How right he is. But then I replied, but wouldn't it be far greater of a tragedy if we did not? What we are dealing with is a madness, a madness of racial and religious superiority that has always been a part of the world's history, but is recently growing and becoming more emboldened to emerge out of the shadows. Why? Why are we seeing these events so frequently, and especially at places that honor the divine? Well, I count three causes. One, the hatred and prejudices that are being fueled by the dark side of social media. Two, the proliferation of weapons of war readily available to the average citizen, regardless of their mental soundness or 
previous record of violent history. And third, because the leaders of government can be found winking, nodding, or flat out discounting the rise of such mon monstrous, sickening, and evil events, saying it's really not that big of a deal, or who might actually identify with some of these sentiments and offer no eagerness to stand up against them. So we, a faith community, must strive for a different way and remember that the only way to combat such wickedness is through great love expressed in caring communities. What we cannot do is to never challenge these days or to be silent or to hope they'll go away or to hide or to retreat increasingly in a world of isolation and fear. I believe Jesus' message is a world-changing, evil-confronting, socially disturbing and politically threatening invitation of a very simple truth. We are to forgive each other and we are to invite others into a way of unconditional inclusion and love. That's Jesus' message. And that is the way of salvation. That yes, Jesus saves us from sin in order to free us toward salvation. And that invitation is for us to trust him and trust his message that the way of forgiveness and compassion and kindness and inclusion and welcome is not weak, though vulnerable. But it is the only way for us to find our humanity in a time when so many deny its dignity. So this Lent, we have been thinking about B'nai Brown and her work. And I think she is offering us incredible insights into the wisdom of Jesus and his teaching. And this week, we are thinking about the dynamic of choosing authenticity over approval. Choosing authenticity over approval. So if you're always trying to please others and constantly do what they expect you to do, you will never truly know yourself or the potential God has given you to make the unique, special, and authentic contribution to the world that only you can provide. So listen to Brown and the gifts of imperfection. Authenticity is the daily practice of letting go of who we think we're supposed to be and embracing who we are. I continue to quote from her. Choosing authenticity means cultivating the courage to be imperfect, to set boundaries, and to allow ourselves to be vulnerable. Exercising the compassion that comes from knowing that we are all made of strength and struggle. And nurturing the connection and sense of belonging that can only happen when we believe we are enough. All of this is a choice on how we manage our lives. An active and regular decision to practice this skill, as she defines it. Wholehearted living and loving.
wholehearted living and loving. Now, our text that we're walking with with Jesus in the lectionary is found in a small section in, at the end of the 13th chapter of Luke, Luke 13, 31 through 35. It's um, a place that you may not feel that there's a whole lot of instruction on how to live, but I think we need to spend a little more time with it, and we can't break it all down at early worship. You can come back at 11 go into more detail there. But in this passage, Luke 13 at the end, Jesus is teaching about today and tomorrow. Putting our ultimate trust in God, but recognizing that we live in the pressure and we spend the bulk of our time in today and the short part of what we understand as tomorrow. And living for today doesn't mean we don't plan for tomorrow. In fact, Future planning and preparation is a part of what it means to live well with the gift of this day. We must spend some of our time preparing for what's to come. But the difference is we don't spend all of our time having Becoming overly worried about tomorrow. Jesus is heading to Jerusalem. And he will meet incredible and threatening danger as he makes his way to that place. He will confront evil, and he will stand up for these very invitations, forgiveness and inclusion. But his concern about tomorrow and his preparation for tomorrow will not deter or distract him from his proper use of the present moment on this particular day in which we're living. Let me say it a different way. Most people spend the bulk of their life not living in the present, but living either in the past or in the future. Wouldn't you agree with me that both forward-looking and backward-looking preoccupations are often concerns about approval? Either not getting it the way we thought we wanted it, or wanting it and hoping we will get it as we expect. Those who dwell in the past are found beating themselves up over what they should have said or what they could have said or what was said to them or how this one thing happened so long ago that is the source of all their problems. And they can be so locked in the shame of complex, unresolved conflicts and hurts from their past where people have made them feel insecure and shameful and insignificant, that that's all they can do. That's the only place they can live is in that shadow. And those who dwell in the future are found often constantly worrying about tomorrow. Will I be okay? What if something terrible is going to happen? Will I be prepared for the challenges that lie ahead? How can I achieve and succeed and protect myself from the danger and fear of being vulnerable? Both of those perspectives, being either, either overly focused on the past or the future, are in danger. In danger of losing the most abundant gift that we are given over and over 
and over again. The greatest thing you have in your possession. It is the wonder and the power of now. The present moment. This thing that you are being given time after time after time after time. And when you're always somewhere else, you can never fully enjoy the moment because you're always thinking or dwelling about the past or always waiting and worrying about the future. So it takes great work, serious, serious effort to be authentically aware, mindful, and grateful and fully present in the now. Can I just embrace this moment? Can something terrible happen? Of course. Have bad things happened to you in the past? Yes, I'm sure. But if we are always bouncing back and forth between these two poles of our anxiety, we may miss what is right here in front of us. Another condition that puts us in this distraction, and I will call it an addiction because I think that's the way to think about this threat to us, is our addiction to social media. Researchers are beginning to notice links between the rise in depression and suicide rates because of social media use, particularly among teenagers and young adults. The numbers are staggering. What is being described is a generational shift, according to a recent report from National Public Radio. I'll give you one statistic just to show you the increase. Death from suicide increased by 56% among 18 and 19 year olds between 2008 and 2017. An increase of 56%. So repeat after me. You don't have to, but just in your mind. Artificial reality is artificial. Artificial community is artificial. Artificial connections are artificial. Now, social media engages you more personally and deepens your compassion for others and your world than good for you. But don't think you're connecting with your world if you simply hit like and what someone has posted. Maybe you're aware of something in their life, but you really haven't significantly deepened your compassion and your connection with others. And wouldn't you agree with me that the bulk of social media is posturing and bragging and spreading lies? She's fine. I'm keeping, on, I'm keeping an eye on her. I can do two things at one time. The irony of fake news is that it, constant, it causes us to question all news. Making itself a purveyor of truth, it actually erodes trust in any truth. And when you stop trusting, you have lost the essential ingredient of any and all meaningful human interaction. So there's this evil shadow that's falling over our world. And there are dark places that many people are dwelling in. And it would be so 
easy to go into those dark places and just hide behind a big old rock. And I'm not naive enough to suggest that there are not deeply disturbed individuals that are bad elements, wishing harm, and perhaps their number is growing. But the question I put before you is, do you want to live in such darkness of distrust and fear, wishing to see the other, not as neighbor, but as threat? My life in Christ teaches me there's only one way to break free of prejudice, one way to combat fear, one way to live and love authentically with my whole heart. So take a risk to use wise judgment and walk across the street or drive across to the other side of town and reach out in kindness and compassion to others of faith and goodwill. I have discovered incredible happiness with people of all different faiths. As long as they, whether Jew, Muslim, or Christian, stress healthy community, practice forgiveness, and extend unconditional love. To be a disciple of Jesus is to embrace our common humanity and then to be fully human, living and loving in the now we are given. It's here that I find hope for the world. Begin our response this morning by uh, singing number 183, Come to Me, a Weary Traveler. Rest in me, my 
Focus on your breath. Maybe to offer prayers for those in the world who have, whose lives have been shattered and hurt by acts of hatred. Before we do that, and before we play quietly for a few moments, um, let's read together our call to prayer, remembering that the house of God is not, not this place but our whole world. When trouble loiters on the hillsides, I remember. When the cupboards are empty, I remember. When proud eyes write me off, I remember. Though my very own forget my name, I remember. Hate stings like arrows. When the night gathers its shadows, your house is filled with love. Your house is filled with peace. Your house is filled with hope.
that though there is darkness in this world, we trust that your dawn is breaking. Though there is struggle around us, we trust that there is grace that can lift us up, that can lift our neighbors up, that can lift those far away up. see your love come to fruition in this world God we grieve alongside of those who have lost loved ones in New Zealand for those who have lost loved ones in violence closer to home for those who are struggling with sickness with illness doctor's visits, difficulties, God. We ask for your grace and for your healing, for your peace. We ask for your hope, God, to envelop each of us that we might be able for a few moments to sit and to be still. say to us once more, my beloved child, in that healing and in that forgiveness, God, that healing would spill out into the world around us as we bring more grace. ending song. Let's, let's just start sitting down and for just a moment and we'll stand when the very end when we sing it one last time. But Let's send this out as a prayer that this would come to fruition and be true that, that this, this world is, is God's house. We know it's the truth. That the, this world would look more like it. That we would start by living in peace ourselves. Here's how it goes. This is your house, oh Lord. I will live in peace. This is your house, oh Lord. See 
our song of sending, and that we would take this peace with us into the world as we go. This is your.